Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. You can also leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. after the show on liberaldan.com on the show thread or on facebook.com slash liberaldan. And you can always interact with me on Twitter at liberaldanradio. I'd say that you could join the chat room, but it appears that the Blog Talk Radio chat rooms are down for the moment. So... That will not be an option for today. Uh, but first, as always, we start off with a look at this week's headlines. After California passed a law requiring candidates to show their tax returns in order to run for president, Donald Trump is suing the state to prevent his from having to be turned in. Why is that, Donnie boy? What you got to hide? It appears that the California gambit is already working. Whoever gets the Democratic nominee should be able to take advantage of that fact real quick. Republican Nebraska State Senator John McAllister criticized the GOP for being complicit to obvious racism and immoral activity inside the party. Now, he speaks the truth. What What did the Nebraska Republican Party tell him? He said to become a Democrat. So I guess what they're saying is that fighting racism is a Democratic moral and that being racist, I guess, is a Republican moral. At least they're honest. A Texas police chief has apologized after officers on horseback let a black man through the streets with a rope. I find it more likely that the chief was just sorry that they got caught. Are there any videos of white people being led by rope on horseback? I didn't think so. Finally, Toni Morrison passed away, an author, teacher, and inspiration for many. Her beloved won the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. She penned that Bill Clinton was our first black president for how he was being treated. And after Donald Trump was elected, she aptly wrote, Mourning for Whiteness, which argued that white Americans were so afraid of losing their white privilege that they voted for a candidate supported by white supremacists. I couldn't have said it better, and she will be missed. So, Now I said I was going to talk about uh, gun control and mass shootings and et cetera and uh, disproportionate policing by law enforcement in the top half of the show. In the bottom half of the show, I will be talking to Javon Walker, who is a candidate for Congress in the 6th Congressional District of New Jersey. However, um, I do want to first start off by talking about the last set of debates because if you follow me on Twitter, I had plenty of comments on Twitter, but I didn't do any shows because there didn't seem to be any interest for a post-show debate wrap-up. And so let's just kind of talk about it a bit. You had you know, Marianne Williamson, uh, who is not – she better not get the nomination. I mean, she is a wackadoodle six times from Sunday. However, she did make a very apt point when it came to – the um, I have a cat on my desk, and it looks like this cat is going to try and wreck everything. So, okay, come on, s'mores. 
Anyway, so I have. She made a very apt uh, description of why we need reparations in this country. And it was, I was waiting for the crazy, and the crazy never came. And I was like, well, look at you. But then the rest of her stuff is crazy. And she said that uh, the root of uh, AIDS and cancer is sin, and, and that you can solve war with love. Um, one screenshot, let's see, love is the answer. And that is as relevant to public policy as it is to personal behavior. Hashtag big truth. Somebody responded back, love didn't win the battle of Stalingrad, but I get the sentiment. And then she responds, actually, yes, it did. Now, first of all, we need to just remove the word actually from our vernacular. There's no reason. The word is not needed, period. But uh, there's a picture, a bunch of Nazis, uh, Marianne Williamson, holding a cannon, and the cannon is the power of love. I mean, the power of love is a curious thing. Uh, make one man weak, make another man sing. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I might be too old for you. Uh, you should go watch Back to the Future. Anyway, so she's nuts. Um, I think, again, for the second round of debates, that Elizabeth Warren did wind up winning the whole thing again. She looks outstanding. There's no doubt in my mind that she would win a debate versus Donald Trump. Now, winning a debate versus Donald Trump is not actually the measure as to what we should be looking at, because Hillary Clinton heartily defeated Donald Trump in the debates. I could defeat Donald Trump in the debates. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm actually going to you know, win the elect presidential election. Although anybody with a heartbeat at this point, as long as you're on the correct side, the issues should be able to defeat Donald Trump. But the ability to win a debate is less important than the ability to get up the voters. Because for some reason, liberal voters can't just say, look, you know what, I'm going to eat my pride. My candidate didn't win, so I'm going to go out and vote for the person who's going to beat Donald Trump. Because if that's what happened, if that's what would have happened last time, we would have beaten Donald Trump. So what else happened in this debate? Uh, you had, there was an entire segment on criminal justice reform. And I wish I had the video. I couldn't find a specific video of one specific part of the video of the debate on the second night where they were just all talking about criminal justice reform and the look on, look on Harris's face was Kamala Harris's face, which was just, please don't call on me, please don't call on me, please don't call on me. And because she doesn't want to have to answer to that. And from what I've heard, the person who runs CNN is a very big Kamala Harris supporter. And maybe that's why they were not asking her the questions on criminal justice reform. She eventually got a question on a slightly different topic. But then when they went to Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard said, well, let me, let me pivot back to the whole criminal justice form and Kamala, Kamala Harris and just went off about, but she didn't mention names, but she could have, um, I'm forgetting this. There's several people who, you know, there's also, obviously I've spoken about the Daniel Larson case and that, clearly is just horrid what happened in that case. I've talked about that before, but you also have the case where you had a, a person who was in jail waiting on death row was, was insisting, insisting that he didn't do it with absolutely just look, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. And Kamala Harris and her office blocked his ability to get DNA testing that wasn't available that could have proved his innocence and did prove his innocence. 
And only until after she left office did she then say, oh, well, that was a mistake. I, 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 we, he should have been allowed to get um, – he should have been allowed to have that DNA testing done. Now, that doesn't give you a pass. Not at all. She needs to be remembered for him doing, for doing, for preventing him from getting the DNA evidence. He needs to be, she needs to be removed for the Daniel Larson's case when, when he was, he should have been innocent from the start, but he rotted in jail. And then when he successfully filed his writ of habeas corpus, she still fought to have him released. Does it make sense? Why? Why would she fight that? But except for the fact that she's a prosecutor, and prosecutors are problematic and can be problematic at least, because in order for them to continue being prosecutors, they have to show that they can prosecute effectively. So they're going to cherry pick, they're going to go after the low hanging fruit and get the people that are easy to lock up. Meanwhile, they might dodge the, the harder cases because, oh, they don't want to have that little smudge on the record, a little blot, blip blip on the record that says, well, I didn't get this guy. But, and then when they're proven wrong, they never want to admit it. They never want to take responsibility for, for their wrongdoing or for the wrongdoing of the people in their office. So, I mean, Tulsi Gabbard has her problems, sure. I'm not, I don't want Tulsi Gabbard to get the nomination. Again, vote blue no matter who. But she was... I was applauding when she brought that up. The other thing that bothered me from the debate, Krista Gillibrand. I have a cousin, Jill, cannot stand Kristen Gillibrand or Kamala Harris because they feel that they railroaded, she feels that they railroaded Al Franken. I'm not going to go that far. Al Franken did not have to resign. Um, he chose to because he felt that it was the responsible thing to do after the accusations that came out and fine. But I've liked Gillibrand for a while. I thought she was uh, very outspoken about the issues that she should be outspoken about. Good progressive person from New York who would, you know, potentially have a good future ahead of her. Um, and then she lied. And then she flat out lied. She went and she, she stated, she talked about some article that Joe Biden wrote in 1981 and claiming that Joe Biden was asserting that if a woman left the home, that it's somehow detrimental to the family. Now, what, in reality, he actually, in 1981, penned an article about parenting that was gender neutral. Like, I was shocked that somebody in 1981 wrote an article about parenting that was gender neutral. Now, part of that is probably because of the fact that Joe Biden, when he was younger, and uh, in his first marriage, he lost his daughter and his wife in a car accident. And for five years, and he just spoke about this, for five years, he had to be a single dad. Then eventually he married somebody else. And, you know, he wasn't, they're trying to say that this article implied. Now, first of all, Gillibrand said that she quoted Biden. She was directly quoting Biden about women causing harm by leaving the, leaving the home and working. He didn't mention gender, so that can't be a direct quote. But even if you want to make the assertion that his, he implied it, he didn't even imply that because uh, his main article, his main problem with the fact was not that they were giving families with dual incomes money to go get child care. It was that they were giving families who at the time were making a lot of money. Now, I mean, I would love for this to be considered a lot of money today uh, in 81. But what, did, what I do not accept as legitimate is social policy incur, that encourages a couple making thirty, forty, fifty thousand or more a year 
to evade full responsibility for their children by granting them a tax credit for daycare expenses. I do not believe it fair to ask a family of marginal income choosing to provide primary care for their children to subsidize an upper income's family daycare. Fair enough. And he did go on and he said that, you know, families are moving away from, you know, raising their own kids and, and taking care of parents and grandparents. And that's, and that's harming the American family. And he doesn't think that Congress should be doing that. And people are stretching that into women leaving the home are problematic, but both of his wives worked. He just doesn't want government. He doesn't feel that government should be funding these couples who have the means to pay for child care themselves and decide to not do so. That's all I was saying. And I mean, again, I don't know who I'm getting behind Democratic primaries. Uh, like last time, I, I would have happily supported Bernie had he won the nomination. I would have happily supported, happily supported Hillary Clinton when she won the nomination. Anybody else got the nomination? Again, vote blue no matter who. So I don't know who I'm getting behind. I do know that my, my grandparents, who both passed on, they were both they both worked on Joe Biden's early campaigns. They loved him. They thought he was great. And part of me cringes every time that he takes has had some unforced errors and and. People should rightly criticize them for the right for shares. I don't believe that we should have a situation where we can't discuss the issues of our other candidates. The other talk show hosts are like, I'm not going to talk badly about these other show talk show hosts. Well, guess what? If people do things like Kamala Harris with her history, her history should be examined. Joe Biden, his history should be examined. Every single one of these candidates on who get on that stage who are asking for a vote should have their history examined and if it turns out that they're not good for the american people then guess what they shouldn't be be supported by the party and we should be picking somebody who will be the best person to represent uh progressive values on the ticket and somebody who's also going to win so let me go ahead and take the first commercial break come back take your calls 914-803-4131 that's 914-803-4131 this is liberal dane radio Talk from oh, it didn't even start. Anyway, again, nine one four eight zero three four one three one. That's nine one four eight zero three four one three one. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out Budgeteers.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do, but Budgeteers is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out Budgeteers.com or go to YouTube.com slash Budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To call the show, it's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Now, last week I promised a new uh, words of redneck wisdom. 
and that should be interesting and would potentially give me a gold mine. Now, remember, this audio is not audio that I created or voiced or endorsed, but it is audio that I found and is just an amazing example of redneck slash wisdom. So without further ado... And now, this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. I'm looking for a new blog platform that, at least... No, that's not it. (laughs) Uh, That is wrong. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. I don't know where it is. Words of Redneck... There we are. And now, this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. This is Radio Free Dixie, and I'm Mark Allen. It's the 4th of July, and it's time to celebrate American independence and to be thankful for the freedom our ancestors gained for us in 1776. Most Americans celebrate the 4th without even realizing they're celebrating one of the most successful secession movements in history. That's right, secession. The 1776 Joint Declaration of Independence is a secession document. America seceded from Great Britain by declaring that we the people have a God-given right to alter or abolish an oppressive government and establish a new one in its place. The right to secede is a God-given, unalienable right. The Sons of Confederate Veterans invite you to learn about America's secession holiday by visiting our website, MakeDixieGreatAgain.com. That's MakeDixieGreatAgain.com. You have just heard more words of redneck wisdom brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Wow. First of all, does he not know that we the people was in the Constitution and not the secession document that is the Declaration of Independence? Holy crap. I mean, that's just ridiculous, first of all. Second of all, make Dixie great again. I'm sorry. Dixie was never great. Dixie was uh, subpounded and supported in the idea, at least when the Southerners seceded, that they should be able to own people. Make Dixie great again, my ass. Dixie was never great in the first place. Wow. And just the whole concept of the, oh, this is a, it's a secession document. Secession is a God-given right. We should be able to do it. Oh, my God. I, I've, I've perused the website. It, it's good for a laugh. Um, and I may very well be using some more of the items that I find on that website. Uh, in weeks and months to come because it does look like it will be a treasure trove uh, that keeps on providing many, many gifts of many, many examples of horrific uh, redneckery and conservatism down here in Louisiana and and in Dixie, apparently. But no, Dixie was never great. So, all right. So it doesn't look like I'm going to have a little rant a little bit too long about the uh, debate. And uh, we, we should have uh, Mr. Walker coming on the show in about six to eight minutes or so with the commercial break. And we will uh, have a discussion with him about his campaign. And if there's time afterwards, maybe we'll come back to to the issues of gun control and shootings. But it's just, I sat down to eat on Saturday and I looked at the TV and I just was like, again? And then I come back from dinner and I look at my phone and I'm like again, there's a, a second one. Just we have an obsession with guns in this country. We have a we have a problem with guns, and it's not video games. Video games do not do it. I mean, there there are chat rooms in these uh, video games uh, that exist that have a lot of toxicity going on, a lot of toxic masculinity, a lot of uh, problematic speech going on, people urging others to do horrible things and 
sharing terrible views, but it's not the game's fault. They would find other ways to get together and discuss these things. And furthermore, uh, the games, most of the violent video games are inspired by war in the first place, not the other way around. So, I mean, Grand Theft Auto is not going to make somebody, I played Grand Theft Auto when I was younger. It's not making me want to go out and kill people. I don't have a desire. And then all these, you know, there are plenty of, that's not a mental illness issue because there are plenty of women who have mental illness who don't go out and shoot people. There is a significant problem with very angry white men. You know, I, I have a Twitter rant. So I have a link to that Twitter rant on my Facebook page, but you can also just find it on Twitter at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter or at Liberal Dan on Facebook. And it's just terrible. You know, how can we as a country not do anything? And then, of course, when you bring up, this is part of my rant, but when you bring up these issues and white supremacy and white terrorism, these conservatives have the, what about Chicago? What about Chicago? Why is it that every time you have to bring up and discuss whiteness and the problems that are going on with whiteness, you have to go, but the black people are doing things too. That's because black people have always made easy scapegoats. Jews have also made very easy scapegoats, as I know, having grown up one. just you, We have this situation in this country where, where people who are white, and I'm white, I'm willing to look inwards and, and see my own flaws, but I'm also liberal. People who are white conservatives do not want to look inward and do not want to see where their problems exist internally. It's always somebody else. That's the thing. It's never, there's no personal responsibility. It's always somebody else who is the problem. And when you try and expose the responsibility that conservative white people have, they will try and, again, pit it somewhere else. Somebody else's fault. Somebody else's problem. There's no desire to, I mean, they elected this idiot president. And when you show them clear examples, I'll give you one from the other day. Like there's what this is guaranteed this will work. If you're talking to a conservative, guarantee that this will work. Talk about Donald Trump's xenophobia. Mention his xenophobia. When they ask you, well, how is he xenophobic? Say that he ran on a platform that included a total and complete if you're typing this, put total and complete in quotes, a total and complete ban on Muslim entry into this country. Bring that up. I guarantee you that person will probably say something to the effect of, well, when did that happen? Donald Trump only wrote an executive order about people from seven countries because that's, that's how they're trained to do it. It's just like my experiment that I had uh, with when I called my shot. When I said, when Donald Trump said that they were that we have had uh, Obamacare for 17 years instead of seven years, and I said, I guarantee you that when I call into that show, one of the people are going to respond back and they're going to say, "Well, sure, it feels like seven years." And the host did it within two, three minutes. The host did it, and then I, I've called my shot when it comes to voter ID laws, and I'll say these so-called voter ID laws have provisions in them that have nothing to do with voter ID and, and are all about repressing the vote and keeping people from voting. And I say, and, I'm, and I guarantee you, and I'll, I'll even type the words on the page or on the, on the website and be like, look, and I'm going to guarantee you that some idiot's going to come along and they're going to say, well, what's wrong with requiring a voter ID? Because they can't be bothered to read it. Once I say so-called voter ID laws, they just start typing. They can't be bothered to read anything else because they're, they've had it pushed into their heads that when a liberal brings up a problem with these voter ID laws, that it's specifically because they have a problem with requiring a voter ID. It could be anything else. So they just start typing. They start banging away at their fingers. Bash, 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 bash. And they... They lose all any, – any amount of fact, logic, or reason they might have been holding on to, they lose it. And instead, they 
have to just go on their tangent. And then I'll show a screenshot. I'll be like, look. Look at what I did. Look at what I just did. I predicted it. You would come in here and say this, and you said exactly what I said you would. There was one conversation I had on Facebook. Three people did it in the same conversation. Three different people made three different sub-threads about that. Three different people. And it was just I, just, I was laughing the entire time. I was absolutely laughing the entire time it happened because just the predictability. And then they have the, the gall to try and say, hey, you know, liberals don't follow the facts, logical reason. I've heard this on, this, on these talk, show hosts, talk shows, but every single time. I can predict what they're going to say simply because of the fact that it, it, it's they're just trained to be that way. And it's really sad that they cannot be bothered to read even a full post before starting to bash on their keyboard and complain um, about all these. Okay, let me go ahead and take my next commercial break. Uh, and you can get, call in. It's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dane Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always leave your comments on the show thread at liberaldan.com or on facebook.com slash liberaldan, or you can always leave comments anytime on Twitter at liberaldanradio. Uh, before we get to our guest, I'm going to uh, go to the Hypocrite of the Week, which, of course, was sponsored or inspired by uh, the actions of this week, which, of course, many hypocrites have spawned this week. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is the NRA, who once supported gun control measures back when it was the Black Panthers that had weapons in California, but now will stop at nothing to prevent any common-sense gun legislation from passing. This is because the NRA is not actually in support of gun rights. They are in support of gun sellers, and they want to make sure that people can sell as many guns as possible. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And of course, Donald Trump could have also been Hypocrite of the Week simply because of the fact that he spoke out against um uh, Obama's uh, gun control executive order said he was wrong for doing so. And then, of course, 
Now he says he's willing to sign a pretty much similar executive order. So I guess it's okay if he does it and not okay if Obama does it, but that's par for the course. Anyway, in the 6th Congressional District in the state of New Jersey, uh, that seat is currently held by Frank Pallone, who is a Democrat. Uh, but my next guest uh, is somebody who's hoping that uh, he, we will be able to bring uh, uh, some breath of fresh air and some uh, more progressive ideas, if I'm looking at the website correctly and reading what he has to say. So uh, without further ado, uh, Javon Walker, candidate for Congress in New Jersey 6th. How are you doing tonight? Very good. Thank you for having me, Dan. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's it. my it's my pleasure. I, in, back in 2004, which I, uh, feels so long ago, uh, I actually ran for Louisiana's first congressional district. Uh, I did not have oh, wow. the benefit of um, having a liberal district to running in. Our districts are very, very gerrymandered down here, even back then. And uh, the former uh, person who was sitting in the seat uh, who moved on to the Senate was, of course, the prostitute-loving David Vitter. Unfortunately, the person who I had to run against, or one of the people I had to run against, was uh, Bobby Jindal. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so so I became a very quick expert on Bobby Jindal because no one else wanted to help because everyone just basically gave up that district and said, oh, no. So, I mean, I could probably count on the one hand the amount of people that actually helped me that campaign. But And I kind of started. I started <laughs> high and went low. And But, look, when I had the podcast, started the podcast, I'm like, you know what, I have the ability to – you know, I can't say how many people we're going to reach, but if I have the ability to help others who are running for Congress, I'm more than happy to do so. So, you know, again, you're welcome to come on anytime and talk about campaign issues as well, uh, because I do want to help uh, other progressives uh, be successful in their uh, attempts to uh, represent the people, because it, it should be a good calling for people. Unfortunately, sometimes the wrong people uh, get into it. So uh, but it's not about me. This is about you. Uh, so give us a little... Uh, little bit about why what made you run what what inspires you to run for the seat when bernie sanders came to rutgers university during his 2016 presidential campaign he gave a great speech about how uh, underrepresented populations and their demographics such as millennials and college students and younger people and just you know underrepresented people in general should rise up to the occasion and be part of something that was the movement at the time and has become a revolution and so upon seeing him in person speaking at thousands of people at one of his rallies, it gave myself the confidence to run for office myself, um, especially in CD6. Upon seeing Bernie Sanders speak in front of us, and it made me do a little digging into the record of the current representative within the district, who is uh, Representative Pallone. And it gave me a greater incentive on wanting to run for office. You know, I took uh, Senator Sanders up on his on his offer, where if more underrepresented and unrepresented uh, demographics wanted to be part of you know a movement, then why not run for office? I just took it a step further. It wasn't just supporting the candidate and continuing the revolution, but I wanted to be part of it itself, where I was a candidate and I was able to help many people within the community. And that's, and that's awesome. That's that's a great thing. We do need more diversity in Congress. That is obvious. Um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of the other people who are, you know, have potentially somebody else from Washington State who's going to be running, who might be on the show next week. And um, the, the theme is just old white men. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with old white men, but old white men don't have the lived life experience that other people do. And it's, it, it's easy to say that one will try and, and understand the problems that other people go through, um, but actually living it brings new outlooks to 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 the situation. And so you can't you can't expect to have a Congress that to, that truly represents the people it's supposed to represent if it doesn't look like the people it's supposed to represent. Right. Exactly. That's you know what it's. Um, it's a targeted demographic now for congressional elections. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with being an older white man. But if you're like somebody like uh, Senator Biden that's running for president, if you're an older white man that doesn't want to give up his seat, then you are a problem. You you are preventing anything from you know progressing. You are preventing more diversity within Congress, within our electorate, without, within you know all elected levels. Yeah, I, I mean for president, I'm I'm much more open-minded, I guess, than than, than some people. 
I mean, not saying you're not open-minded, but I'm, 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 I have a very open <laughs> mind with, with who I'm willing to accept uh, for yeah. my presidential candidate because the first and foremost thing is beating Donald Trump. Um, and right. the person who's going to, to – whoever comes out, if it's Bernie Sanders, I'm all in for Bernie. If it's Elizabeth Warren, I'm all in for Elizabeth Warren. If it's Joe Biden, I'm all in for Joe Biden. And, and even if yeah. it's Kamala Harris, even though I'm not big on Kamala Harris' side. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'd be all in for her too if she gets the nod. So, um, so you have a lot of good uh, policy positions uh, on your page. I had it pulled up for a second. I guess it didn't want to be up. Uh, so there we go. Um, so what? What like? What's your main? Do you have a main issue that you think is is one that you want to run on that that you think is going to get? the people out to vote and, and get get with you the primary health care um, okay health care is the big is the biggest issue for me that's one that's one issue that i will heavily run on for medicare for all system because we've all experienced our health care system we run on a private a private profit driven health care system now that you know it, it rips the insurance away from the people that pay for it we pay thousands of dollars in premiums, we get underfunded insurance uh, coverage. And so if we transform to a Medicare for all system, everyone will be guaranteed health care. And that's, now, that's, something that I, that's something that I heavily support. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've gotten there as well. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't necessarily need it to be like next day, but it needs to be quickly or soon or something to the effect where, where we need to make sure that things that happened to patients, like going to the doctor, having assuming everything is going to be in network, for example, and then mm-hmm. you come back and you get a bill from your lab work, and, and the insurance didn't cover the lab work because the lab work was out of network. Right. It's like, exactly. How, like yeah, those, it's, those it's, are it's things. A, it's a big scam. Yeah, that's it's, it's it's ridiculous. Now, I mean, I also have heard of problems with Medicaid. Uh, where uh, you had a family who had a kid in the hospital, and then they had to get a, a, a pain mill, pain pill, uh, after an operation, and well, oh, we did get prior authorization. So, but then again, some of these wow. people that are ru- running these Medicaid type programs are also private companies. So we're, you know, in Louisiana, we've we've pushed a lot of the Medicaid, a lot of the public health into private controlled hands as well, which is also a problem. So mm, that makes sense as to why. Uh, you know, more conservative state. Well, some more conservative states have reluctantly opened up Medicaid, but I guess they're they're deferring it to the private system. I can, I can I can definitely see that. Okay. Now, I mean, Louisiana did it because Louisiana has a quote Democrat governor end quote. I mean, he did also sign a <laughs> a heartbeat bill, but uh, he did so because I think he anticipated the fact that he's running for re-election this year, and he actually. I mean, the two people that are running have based one of them said that I fully support Donald Trump and I'll support his immigration at the local level. And the other person is like, I'll pay for the, the, the squad to go back to where they came from. And I'm like, did you not <laughs> hear the fact that three of them are from here and the fourth of them is, is, is a U.S. citizen and a refugee and literally telling a black woman to go back to Africa is one of the most racist freaking things you could ever say. But, I mean, <laughs> you are – this is Louisiana. I think Louisiana will – if it's not – if it wouldn't – it would probably be the last state to accept anything progressive. It's even though uh, New Orleans <laughs> know, is Mississippi's a nice, up there. But no, yeah, I mean we're gonna we're usually fighting with Mississippi for the for the worst, for the for the for the lowest on the good <laughs> list and the highest on the bad list. It's, if it's if we're not fifty, they are. If they're not fifty, it's it's we're we it's it's a competition. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I mean Louisiana, New Orleans uh, is a nice little blue island, you know in this yeah. craziness, but it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now one of the things you said uh, you, you have, um, there's also uh, criminal justice, tax reform, money and politics, foreign policy, all of these, all of these items are, uh, um, are very important abortion rights. Uh, do you, uh, um, what, what do you feel? Do you feel that there's a need for any sort of restriction on abortion at all? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Okay, I think good. a woman's <laughs> right to choose a woman's right to choose is a woman's right to choose. And I mean, in the 19, 
1974 decision, Roe v. Wade, like it clearly states that a woman's right to choose is a woman's right to choose. So we have to make that a constitutional amendment, or we, you know, we have to continue fighting back against the Republicans that want to repeal a woman's right to choose. That's between a, a woman and her body, not not the government, not anybody else, but her, her doctor, and herself. You know. Exactly. I mean, the, I mean, Roe v. Wade doesn't go far enough, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm to the point where I'm just like, look, you know what? The, the odds of anything that they're trying to run on, uh, is, you know, of happening, actually happening, is just never going to happen. You know, women don't wait eight months and be like, oh, I don't want to be pregnant today. I'm going to get an abortion. Eight months of right. eight months abortions are done because there is a health condition that's a threat to their lives, and. You know, the idea that these people want to force a woman to to have to, you know, risk a, a, a less safe procedure and potentially with other kids, maybe they have other kids, maybe not. But if they have other kids, you know, you really want to tell your mom, you, you tell a kid, I'm sorry, your mom had to die because government forced her to gestate the term. Right. No, it's ridiculous. Right. So. Yeah, it's, it's, what, it's really it's really bad. And I will, you know, I'll, I'll fight and do my best to make sure that women have the right to choose and be able to have safe operating procedures. Um, where do you think your biggest difference is between you and the incumbent? Medicare for all, definitely. Um, you know, when you think about incumbents in certain districts, you have some representatives and some senators that take money from Wall Street, some take money from big banks, financial institutions, defense contractors, you name it. But in this district, the current representative takes huge amounts of money from the healthcare and the uh, pharmaceutical drugs industries. He was one of the authors of the Affordable Care Act, and if you've looked at the revenue of all the uh, healthcare insurers, they've only incre- the revenues have only increased from the the big healthcare insurers since the Affordable Care Act started. So I find it very ironic that the same person that gets money from the healthcare industry is the same person that helped them out when it came to the uh, Affordable Care Act. So. What we're going to do is we're going to take it to the streets. We're going door to door and letting people know that Medicare for All is a better option. They don't have to worry about deductibles, don't have to worry about co-pays. Whenever they have something wrong with them, they're able to go to the doctor and nobody's going to be refused service for the health care procedure and no one's going to get any surprise bills. I think surprise bills is probably the one that's going to be the most fun. Anybody who's been hit with a surprise bill is going to be like, yes. That that that's what gets, that's what's gonna get. I think that will eventually get a lot of people there. Is is that you know, I mean yeah. I mean my insurance. I, I mean the Affordable Care Act did make my insurance that I had at the when it passed. It made the insurance where I was at even better. But oddly enough, mm-hmm. I actually had a good. I had actually had a good insurance plan. And the only reason it yeah. made it better is because for the year before, it's like I had no limits on my insurance like when it came to like annual or lifetime limits and oh, then wow. like the and then the year before of the Affordable Care Act passed it went down to like a million dollar for a year and a 5 million dollar lifetime limit and then once oh, once wow. the Affordable Care Act passed they went right back to the same thing and it was just like well, why did you do that <laughs> it was probably yeah. an insurance underwriting thing i don't know um I, I mean i worked it was an insurance company that i worked for but they were more health indemnity, indemnity products and more life and life insurance, not health insurance. But it, it was a yeah, benefit yeah. to working there because I really got to understand a lot of the, the topics of insurance and, and what it takes when it, when, when it comes to insuring people. Um, and I really, and then just because I got to know the insurance plan so well, I, I mean, I was pretty much the guy that people went to at the job uh, besides HR to be like, what should, which plan should I pick? Cause they also had like three plans. It was crazy. Like, like it was probably yeah. one of the best, but, but then again, <laughs> on the other side of the coin, I look back at what I was getting paid at that job and I'm like, well, maybe the next job maybe pay $10,000 more for my insurance, yeah. but I'm actually getting paid 20,000 more. So did it really, was I really doing that well working for this crappy company? <laughs> you know, I remember, I remember when, um, years ago during college, I worked at Kohl's and, uh, this is around 2010, 2011, when Obamacare was still yet to be implemented. And I remember I had uh, private health insurance from through the employer, and it was available to all part-time workers, even medical insurance, just available to part-time workers. I think that could be working 10 to 15 hours a week at max. Um, and once the Affordable Care Act was implemented, then Coles and I'm sure many other employees, they decided anybody that's working over 26 hours, we can't cover them. So they would start capping hours at 26 hours to make sure that they didn't have to offer health insurance. It's not like the Affordable Care Act 
what the problem is just that every private enterprise decided to skirt the the minimum requirements as much as they could, and all of the part-time workers ended up being cut of their health insurance unless they went full-time, which is awful. So it's, you know, it's my personal experience of being a 20, 19, or 20-year-old and having full health insurance and then not being able to have any at all because I didn't work more than 26 hours. And I want to better that system by uh, co-sponsoring a Medicare for All to make sure that all people, regardless of age, are able to go to the doctor or have whatever type of medical procedures they need done without having to worry about any co-pays, without having to worry about any work requirements or anything like that. Healthcare is definitely a human right in this campaign. It's not a privilege. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that people don't understand about the Affordable Care Act and, and how these insurance companies are taking advantage of it is the fact that, yeah, they have a medical loss ratio that they have to, uh, there's, a, there's a minimum that they have to do, but if all they have to do is increase um, what, like, I guess the build rate or whatever it is, is that they that the doctor can mm-hmm. bill or whatever, and that just increases their own profits, mm-hmm. which means that you're paying more money for the services that you used to because in order for them to, in order for the insurance companies to get to higher medical loss ratios, higher money from those, the the doctor now can charge you more money instead of having you paying an even lower negotiated rate of what you used to pay. So right, it's, right. It's, it's just you're, another way of, of them getting right. around. Plus there's the fact that, you know, things you have to run through hurdles and, and, through hoops to be able to get services that they don't want to cover. You know, I'm a big guy. Uh, I'm a pretty big guy myself. And, you know, I looked at the cost of like the weight loss surgeries and, and none of these, none of these people want to cover it because they think it's, even though they consider, even though most places consider obesity to be a problem, they don't want to, they don't want, they don't want to pay anything to help you fix it. And no, it's too expensive for them. Yeah. Yeah. And then if you go out the country and do it yourself and if you have a, a complication, they don't even cover the complications. So it's, <laughs> you got to go read the fine print for that one too. Cause that one, that one was difficult to find, but I found it. So, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a real shame, man. It's, it's, they, they really trap you. Like they're the only, they're the only Avenue, but you know, when you need them for whatever type of medical procedure you need done, they don't want to insure you at all. And like you said about the, the, the balanced billing, that's why I included that in the healthcare platform where, you know, suppose that enough people, this is, let's look at the situation now. If you have more than half of the Democrats in office that uh, co-sponsor Medicare for All, but the bill still doesn't even come to the floor for a vote, I think that something of my platform where I say eliminate balanced billing, we can at least introduce a bill that will eliminate balanced billing where you where the doctor or the healthcare uh, insurance company overcharges for the amount of the procedure that was done. That's one thing that I want fixed because if we don't get to a Medicare for all system within the next two years, I definitely want balanced billing to be eliminated because that's how, that's where those administrative costs come from. That's where, like you said, the doctor or the health insurance uh, company just continually overcharges and to a ridiculous amount where the medical procedure is not even thought of. It's just a big bill that you get at the end of it. And look, and that makes me glad to hear that because, a lot of times people, I mean, you state yourself that you're millennial running for Congress. A lot of people will, will, will look at millennials running and, and, and not see pragmatism, I guess, or, or assume that there's no pragmatism. It's all or nothing. So it's good <laughs> that, you know, yeah. that it's good to hear that you say, if we can't do this, we at least want to get this done. And because you're one of, you know, 400 plus representatives and you have to work within the party. Now, hopefully more people get elected who think like you and who can get it passed. Um, but I mean, if the, you know, it used to be when Republicans have control of the house, um, nothing could see the floor unless the ha- it was called the Hastert rule. The, nothing would see the floor unless it was approved by the majority of the majority. So it didn't even oh, matter wow. that a majority didn't even matter that the majority of the house might want something. You might have, yeah, you might have a bipartisan bill, but the Republican speakers of the house would not, put it forward for a vote unless the majority of the majority said, okay. Um, And and now, now it almost looks like you have a majority of the majority who wants this to be put on the floor and they won't even do it then. I mean, I don't know if there's a majority of the house that supports it, but I mean, if you have a majority of the majority supporting it, you should probably go ahead and try and get it passed. Not that it's going to pass the Senate. 
for for this no you're you're totally right and for the you know think of HR 676 or Medicare for all or the uh the Pramila Jayapal uh, Medicare for all bill that more than half of the democratic caucus of the House of Representatives they co-sponsor it turns out that the same person that is able to put the put the vote put the bill to the floor for a vote is the is my opponent that's the chairman of the energy and commerce committee who can look at this bill and be able to put it to a vote it's that majority of a majority and i mean if you put if you put all that power into one person to decide whether he or she wants that bill to be uh, voted on the floor, they're able to do it or they're not able to do it. That's why I'm challenging this incumbent because he is one person that could put it to a vote, and he just refuses because of all the lobbyists and insurance money behind him. And that's that's why we're rising to the occasion again in 2020 and trying to topple him and make sure that health care will be guaranteed as a human right going forward. And that that's awesome, and I, I wholeheartedly support that. Um, you know, again, you know, I, I'm, I'm very pragmatic. I understand that things can't happen immediately, but I definitely want to see, I want, definitely want to see a roadmap that gets us there sooner rather than later. And it does sound mm-hmm. like you are going to be, you, if you are elected, that you will be supporting uh, a sooner rather than later approach. So that is a, a <laughs> definitely. I like the way you think. Absolutely. Yes. And so, um, I, I did mention one of your. I think I don't know if you uploaded this or this is a retweet, but I did on your Twitter account. You have the thing about Marianne Wilson. Well, love is the answer. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then love, love retweet. didn't win the battle of Stalingrad. Actually, yes, it did. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'm actually kind of high on Marianne Williamson. I would put her as number three. I did have uh, Bernie Warren and then Tulsi as my top to bottom for one, two, three. Uh, the presidential uh, election, but I do like Marion Williamson. I just it was just that one retweet where it was just that good. I had to retweet it. I really enjoy her though because she's she's a real underdog um, campaign, and right. you know, they only give her about like seven to ten minutes per each debate. But she still overperforms, and she like she over exceeds everyone's expectations. And I love to see that from an underdog. And I mean, I'm going to continue was, supporting her. She was absolutely – when I sat there, I was watching her give her reparations answer, and I'm just sitting there like, when's the crazy going to come in? When's the crazy going to come in? And I was like – she, I, and I was like, there's no crazy. I'm like, this is 100% dead-on accurate. I mean, she had it absolutely right on reparations. Yeah. I'm like, how – what? How is this possible? Now, I mean, what I don't understand about these lower-tier candidates is that the way that the, the debate rules work is that if you – question somebody or bring up somebody in your comments then that person gets a chance to respond so don't Mm. target like the biden kamala harris elizabeth warren bernie sanders don't target them they're going to get their time target each other like if you're a lower level candidate you know if you're beto you know talk to you know castro if you're williamson talk to hickenlooper or whomever or in you know insley talk to each other about what each other about what each other's plans are and yeah, maybe you're, you're nitpicking at the, at the lower levels, but that's going to give both of you more time to get your word out. And uh, like, I'm figuring that out. I'm not, I don't have a political campaign behind me. And if I can figure that out, like those people should fire their campaign staff for not figuring that one out sooner. So (laughs) very smart. Yeah. Um, But no, I think you have a, a very, a very good idea. And I, I think that more candidates, like you said, the lower tier candidates need to definitely compete against one another. That's the only way they're going to get time because the way that the DNC and the way the CNN and all these news media outlets want it to be played is that there are a certain amount of people that can make it to the next stage, which are about three to four people. So, yeah, they need to, they need to definitely, if they qualify for the September debates, they need to uh, make sure that they're competing with one another to get more time. Yeah, exactly. I, I would like – I mean, even if I had a problem with, with any of the other top-tier candidates, I would have mentioned them once unless I was specifically asked a question based off of what they said. But I, w- I would yeah. talk about everyone else anyway. So we're getting right about to the end, the end of the hour. So um, any last words and how do people uh, contact you, follow you, and, uh, and, and, and support your campaign? Well, they can visit the website. It's www.javonwalkerforcongress.com. You'll be able to see the platform. You'll be able to fill out our volunteer form if you're interested in canvassing, uh, phone banking, and so forth. 
if you're interested in donating, there's also a contribute button as well where you're able to go uh, it'll go directly to Act Blue, where you're able to make a contribution. Any contribution over $25, you'll definitely receive a free T-shirt. Uh, I want people to know that this is a campaign that is for the people, and the more representation we have, not just district-wide, but around the country, it's going to make some real big noise, and we're going to need as much as possible if we're able to defeat this incumbent. Well, I am very happy to have you on, and I wish you the best of luck, and uh Maybe uh, when you're giving your victory speech, uh, we, I can have you then be the first interview after you get the nomination and after, after you win, win the district. All right? Should we win, I'll definitely promise that. Absolutely. Excellent. That's great. Thank you so much. And, again, Javon Walker for Congress.com, isn't it? Thank you so much, and have a great night. Thank you so much, Dan. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, again, that's uh, Javon Walker for Congress.com. Uh, you can find the link on my Twitter account uh, at Liberal Dan Radio. Uh, I've retweeted his account, which is also at JW the number four Congress 2020. Uh, that's at JW the number four Congress 2020 uh, on Twitter. And again, J A V A H N Walker for Congress dot com. And this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Dan Radio. Tune in next week. Uh, we'll be discussing more issues as they come up. Again, follow me at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Liberal Dan and LiberalDan.com. Till next week, this is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. <laughs>